She's Tori. And he's Nick. And this is I Want to Rewatch. An X-Files podcast, season three. Episode 24. Talita Kumi. This episode is a MythArc episode and originally aired on Friday, May 17th, 1996. It was filmed in British Columbia, Canada, and it was written by Chris Carter, based on a story by Carter and David Duchovny, and directed by R.W. Goodwin. This is Duchovny's fourth story credit and the second time that he and Chris Carter collaborated on a season finale. Whoa. And then R.W. Goodwin comes in to do the season finale, because I'm pretty sure he comes in and does all the season finales. Mm-hmm. So I think that's the thing. Yeah, he, yeah. he did the first season finale. He did the second season finale and the third season opener. And then he's going to do the fourth season opener. And he's going to do the fourth season closer. And then the fifth season opener. So, and I keep saying he because I assume it's a dude because it's the X Files, but it could be a woman because RW, that's a very good way for a woman to not get her resume automatically rejected by using initials. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's the X Files. It's a guy, but <laughs> it's yeah. it's probably a guy. There know. aren't very many women yeah. working on the show, unfortunately. Yeah. In the episode, a man heals several victims of a shooting at a fast food restaurant, including the shooter, before disappearing. Mulder wants to find this man with the mysterious healing powers, but he gets sidetracked when he learns his mother is in the hospital. With intel from X. Mulder learns that his mother met with the cigarette smoking man shortly before her stroke. And Scully learns that the healer may be one of several identical men. And Mulder thinks that this healer might be his mother's only chance of recovery. (gasps) It's a season finale and there's probably clones. What? I know. I would never have guessed. I know. Man, they're just ticking all the boxes on this season finale action. Yeah, Cigarette Smoking Man, X, Clones. David Duchovny working on the story, at least for the second. Yeah, and his mother being in dire, dire straits. Yeah, yeah. money for nothing. Anyway, we're <laughs> in Arlington, Virginia. <laughs> no, that was good. That was really good. That was funny. Anyway. <laughs> we're in Arlington, Virginia, in a busy fast food restaurant, a man who we'll learn is Galen Muntz, is sitting at a table, and he's ranting to himself. Although he does keep looking at people. It's one of those kind of ranty things where you're like mm-hmm. talking to yourself, but you're also like, and you know, because kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And he's apparently been laid off or fired or something. And how he was told never once was he doing a good job and all my hard work. No one ever stuck up for me. One guy kind of freaks out, like quickly leaves his table, leaves his drink behind, though. And I've been like, I would take him my drink anyway. And then Munch jumps up and he pulls out a gun and he's like, nobody move. Everybody stays. And people are like, ah. And then a fast food worker kind of ducks around the corner and calls the cops. Essential workers, people. Essential mm-hmm. workers. Anyway, although calling the cops. I mean, but I guess, you know, what are you going to do? So <laughs> Munch changes his mind and decides that children can go. So not everybody has to stay. Children can go. And then there's a woman who's trying to walk her kids out. And he's like, no, I said nobody move. And then she like the kids go. And so all the kids leave and all the adults stay. And then 
a man in the crowd slowly starts making his way towards Muntz. And he's like, please don't harm anyone. And Muntz turns on him and aims the gun at him. And is like, get away or I'll shoot you. And Muntz is kind of getting like more and more agitated, which is kind of seems amazing, honestly, but he is. And he says, he'll do it. And the man is like, these people have done nothing to you. And Munch shakes his head and is like, you don't know. And the man says, give me the gun. And then outside we see like federal officers getting out of a car and there's cops coming up and snipers and all kinds of people showing up. But Munch is getting calmer and calmer and he's like starting to get near tears. And he's like, they made me do it. They made me. And the man tells him that he's not going to do it. And he puts his hand around the gun. Together he and Munch lower it. And then Munch looks at the man and the gun is lower. And then these two people decide, like, oh, this is our time to leave. And they open the door. Uh-huh. And so, like, we hear the door open. And then you can hear the sound of the police outside and the radios. And Munch is like, no. And he turns around and pushes the man away. And he shoots one of the people at the door in the stomach. And then he turns around and shoots a woman. And then he shoots a man. And then a sniper shoots Munch through the window. And he falls to the ground. And he's like, oh. And the man in the suit kneels down by him. And Munch is like, I'm going to die. And the man says, no one is going to die. And he puts his hand on Munster's chest and the wound just vanishes, including the blood. The blood's all like, like sucks <laughs> back into his hand. Like he's sucking it up with his palm or something. And even the bullet hole goes away in the shirt. Yeah. Like everything just boom, taken care of. And then it's the theme song. Yeah. I sure hope this guy heals the victims too. I mean, he, he does heal the victims but when he just heals the shooter at first you're like no but then get into the people I, who that's what he was closest to yeah it's true i mean you gotta start somewhere right yeah gotta start somewhere gotta start somewhere so coincidentally there was an episode of homicide life on the street that featured a fast food shooting that aired on the same night directly after the x-files although it was on a different network Whoa. but it was just one of those weird co- timing things where the x-files had a fast food shooting and it wasn't another one of those, like, let's have a crossover. And then the X-Files was like, nah, do you change your mind? No, no. Okay. It was just, it happened to be that the Homicide Life on the Street featured a fast food shooting as well, which, I mean, in America, a shooting in a public place, especially now, but even in the 90s, was not that uncommon. So I guess it's not that weird. And Munz is played by Rothgar Matthews, who was in three previous X-Files episodes, Our Town, The Host, and Jersey Devil. He'll be in one episode of Millennium, and he's had a pretty long career as a character actor. He appeared in Psych the Musical, which is one of the best episodes of Psych. It's like a two-part. It's so good. On Once Upon a Time and on Supernatural. And he recently had recurring roles on When Calls the Heart, which I have no idea what that is, but he has a very big part in it, and Motherland. And both are shows I don't know anything about, but those are his most recent recurring roles. Good pronunciation on the first name there. I would have been like, I have no idea how to say that dude's name. It's got yeah. way too many consonants and only two vowels. <laughs> so good job. I mean, I might be saying it wrong. I believe that's how you say it. So if I'm that wrong, sounds like when you said it, I was like, oh yeah, of course that's how you say it. And then I was like, and I still don't know how to say it. That's a lot of letters. Anyway, <laughs> aside from the really bad visual effects, sorry, Matt Beck. But you know, when they shoot him, he's like, oh, and he falls to the ground, clutching his right pectoral. But then when he's on the ground, the wound is in his left side. It's like, come on, come on. That was like, clearly, you could have done, <laughs> done better. So, yeah. Continuity, people. Continuity. 
you really like missed out on a career as a script supervisor. Like, I feel like that was your calling because you're very good. I think at it was. I'm yeah, I got the I'm on it, man. Come on. So, I mean, I would not have been well liked, but I would. There would <laughs> but be you would have made this with continuity. Would be on point. Yeah, so, I mean, you don't need to yeah. be well liked. Your job is to make sure everything matches, and That's it would right. have would have matched. My job here isn't to make friends. Okay, my job <laughs> is here to make sure the continuity. I'm not here to make friends. I'm here to make sure that everything matches and lines up correctly. I'm a time master. So Mulder and Scully pull into the parking lot of the restaurant, which we learn is called K Brothers. And Mulder flashes a badge, and we see police are trying to hold other people back away from the scene. And Scully gets out of the car, and she goes up to an EMT who's pushing an empty gurney back into an ambulance. So she asks where the wounded people are, and he tells her everyone's inside, but they couldn't find anyone wounded. So Scully heads inside. And Mulder is behind her, and he stops at the EMT, too, and he flashes his badge, and he asks what happened. And the EMT tells him that it doesn't make any sense. They got a call that there'd been a shooting, and at least one man was down. But when they got here, there wasn't a damn thing to do. So inside, Scully asks the detective if he can tell her what happened. And the detective says he knows what he saw, but he sure can't explain what happened. And he gestures to another man. He's like, you should talk to him. He was one of the ones who was shot. And the man is standing there and he looks totally uninjured. He looks totally fine. And Scully's like, you were shot? And the man's like, yeah, right here. And he touches his like shirt and there's like this black mark on his shirt that's a bullet hole. And he's like, yeah, I was shot right here in the stomach. He felt the bullet enter. And the next thing he knew, he was laying on the floor. His arms were numb and he tasted blood in his throat. But then he saw this man. It was the man who tried talking to the shooter. He was like trying to talk the shooter out of hurting anyone. And the man touched him and said he was going to be okay. And all of a sudden he could feel his limbs again. I guess only the shooter gets his clothes fixed because this dude has like a hole in his shirt. But. Yeah. Well, he has a hole to show where he was shot, yeah. but yeah. His, yeah. His- I mean, I don't think there'd be powder burns around a bullet hole when you're shot from across the room, but yeah, we need, there needs to be some proof that he was shot for Scully to be like, are you messing with me? So yeah. Although she probably still is, but She's a skeptic. So, but yeah. So outside, Mulder gets into the back of the patrol car with Muntz. And Muntz is like, Who are you? And Mulder introduces himself as an FBI agent and says he understands that Muntz had been read his rights. And he asks if Muntz will tell him what happened. And Muntz says that God spared his life today. He took pity on his soul and washed away his sins. And Mulder's like, What do you mean? And Muntz says that he reached down and healed him with his hand. And Mulder's like, who? And Munt says, a holy man. All he can think is that it must have been the good Lord himself. Mulder gets out of the car and Scully approaches. And Mulder asks if Scully talked to him. And she's like, who? And Mulder's like, the man who healed everybody, the man the shooter's talking about. And Scully says he's gone. And Mulder's like, I thought they weren't letting anyone leave the scene. And Scully says no one let him leave. He was there and they were talking to him. And then suddenly he wasn't there. And Mulder's like, he just vanished? And then Scully's like, without a trace. Mm-hmm. <gasps> Weird. Yeah. I mean, if it's God stuff, Scully's probably going to be on board with the story. So, yeah. I mean, she is way more on board with like miracles and like religious stuff than she is like aliens yeah. and supernatural yeah. weirdness. Although the whole God angle kind of just goes away, we don't, it doesn't get mentioned again. 
So well, no, because everyone there is like, oh, it must be, you know, especially the shooter thinks it's like God redeeming him or whatever, right? But yeah. no one else thinks that. They just think he's a healer. Yeah. So why you gotta make it religious? He could be a healer without eh, come on. Because the healing power of Jesus. That's why. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. So then we're in Kanakwatog, Rhode Island. And Mulder's mother, Tina, approaches a waterfront cabin. She unlocks the door and inside, we know no one's been there in a while because everything is covered in plastic. Brought to you by Carter's and Sons Plastic Sheeting. I'm guessing they have like a stake in like plastic sheeting company or something. Maybe. So she looks around and she sees the back door is open in an inch. So she goes through the door into the backyard and the cigarette smoking man's voice says, it struck me as I was sitting here. Although well, he's not sitting. Yeah, he's there standing no out there smoking. Yeah, he's just standing. But. <laughs> and Tina's like, what? And he's like, everything changes but the sea. Ooh. And she's like, what do you want from me? And he says that they might finally at least allow themselves to reminisce. But she's like, I have nothing to say to you. And he's like, well, we used to have much to say to each other. And then he reminisces about the good times at the Mulder Summer Place. Her kids, young and energetic. He remembers water skiing out there with Bill. Apparently, Bill Mulder was a good water skier. Not as good as the cigarette smoking man. But that could be said about many things, couldn't it? And Tina's like, I've repressed it all. And the cigarette smoking man's like, I find that hard to believe. Ooh, that sounds saucy. does sound saucy. In fact, he came here today because he's going to have to ask her to try very hard to remember something. And so then they walk and they argue, but we don't hear what they say because we see them through a telephoto lens and someone is taking pictures of them arguing. Whoa. I don't know if you can hear Billy snoring, but if you can, I apologize. That's my cat. He's snoring. X-Files is not a fan of moms. Like... All the stuff that Mrs. Scully has to deal with. And then Mrs. Mulder, like, apparently has a lot of stuff she's dealing with, too. Except she, like, uses, like, repressed memories for everything. So, because she always is like, I need for you to remember something. She's like, I can't. So <laughs> No, she yeah. just, she compartmentalizes things and has things in boxes and, like, doesn't want to open them. And so people yeah. ask her about stuff and she's like, nope, mm-mm, that's closed yeah. off. Yeah, moms don't fare well in the X-Files, man. No. Mm-hmm. Better than dads, though, because so far they're both dead. Oh, yeah. I guess both dads are dead. So I guess they're doing better than that. That's true. I hadn't thought of that. Hmm. Yeah. I guess because they're dead and gone. So we don't see all the stuff they have to go through because it was like, oh, bullet. (laughs) Boom. You're dead. So, well, I guess Scully's dad didn't get a bullet or did. We don't know. So, yeah. So back at the crime scene, the detective tells Mulder and Scully that the healer man gave the name of Jeremiah Smith, but he also gave a fake P.O. box. And he didn't have a driver's license. And Mulder asks if all the cars in the parking lot were accounted for. And the detective says they were. So the man must have walked from somewhere nearby and they have a canvas out. Scully asks if he spoke to Smith personally. And he says he did. And it was the damnedest thing. He looked down to write something in a notebook. And when he looked back up, the man was gone. And then Mulder's watching a news van pack up. And then his phone rings. The call is from Skinner's office. And so it's like, have a call from Skinner's office. Can you hold please while I connect you? And he's like, sure. And then Skinner tells him that his mother has just been admitted to the hospital in a serious condition near the coastal Rhode Island town called Google. And Skinner like, can't say it. And Mulder's like, 
Knuckledog? And he's like, I'm on my way. So Mulder knows the name. Obviously, because yeah. apparently he played there as a kid. He yeah, apparently the family has a cabin up there, so he's probably been up there many times. Yeah. But then it's 11.21 p.m. And Mulder walks into the hospital and he finds his mother's room. She's unconscious and she's hooked up to a lot of tubes. And Scully comes in and says that the nurse says that Tina had a stroke. They don't yet know the severity of it, but the doctor's on the way now. And Scully's like, people recover from these situations all the time. Mulder sits down next to his mom and he touches her face and he says, mom, but she doesn't respond. And a nurse lingering in the doorway says she hasn't been able to speak. She's been in and out of consciousness. And Mulder's like, how did she get here? And the nurse tells her that a 911 call came in and the paramedics found her on the floor of the house. And then the nurse leaves. And Tina wakes up and Mulder's like, mom, everything's going to be okay. And she gestures for a pen and paper. So Scully hands her a notepad and a pen. And Mulder holds the notepad up and she writes, Palm, P-A-L-M. All caps. And Mulder looks at it. And he's like, Palm. And he looks at his mom. He doesn't know what it means. Yeah. Although it looks like he does know what it means. Because he's like, Palm. But I don't know. I mean, it could be. I don't know. When he came in to see his mom... He like winced, but not like in a like, oh my God, my mom's connected to a bunch of equipment. It was more like, oh my God, my mom is naked and I can't unsee that. So I don't know. I mean, <laughs> acting might be iffy on this one. I don't know. But it looked like he maybe he recognized it. But the wincing was definitely like, ooh, like he just saw something he did not want to see, but not yeah. in like a bad way, but in like a bad way. So I don't know. Anyway. I think when he looks at it, he's just it's a clue and he doesn't know what it means, but he's like. Yeah. What's that? I don't mean? know. I just took it the way he intoned it seemed like it was like a like <gasps> palm, but I could be. Yeah. I, I mean, we know that's what's going to happen. So, yeah. Maybe I'm just jumping ahead. <laughs> maybe. Yeah. So, Tina is wheeled into an ambulance while Scully stands at the nurse's station and Mulder watches her go. And Scully approaches Mulder and tells him about the kind of hemorrhage that Tina had. And that they should be hopeful, though, because circulation was restored very quickly. And she's going to have the best care at the hospital up in Providence. And Mulder's like, thank you. And then she asks if he's okay. And he's kind of like, yeah. He's just thinking there's a correlation to the shooting at the fast food restaurant and his mom having a stroke. And Scully's like, (laughs) what? Scully's very confused because that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. And Mulder says, my mom wrote the word palm, and that's what Jeremiah used to heal people. <laughs> oh, Mulder. I love him so much. Sometimes his leaps of logic, though, are just, you're like, where are you getting there? How are you getting there, buddy? How are you getting there? Uh, and Scully looks utterly unconvinced, and Mulder's like, you think that's a leap? And Scully's like, uh, yeah. And she says there's no deep mystery. Unfortunately, Tina is at an age where these things can happen. And Mulder's like, well, then why did you write the word palm? And Scully says there could be a lot of reasons, to be honest. She doesn't think that it means anything. What happened may have affected her centers of speech or her cognition and that her brain may just not be working the way it should be at the moment. And then Mulder's like, but you can't explain it, nor can they explain why the wounded were miraculously healed or how the healer vanished, which again has nothing to do with your mom. (laughs) It doesn't connect, Mulder. I know you really wanted to, but it really doesn't. Yeah. 
I mean, maybe it does, and we'll learn later. But I'm just saying, like, yeah. logically, it doesn't. I mean, actually, it turns right. out that I figured for sure that it was going to turn out. But, like, his mom was doing some, like, oh, please call the person we've never heard about until, like, the scene before this one to come heal me because he's my only hope. But it actually turns out that it, it's not technically connected at all. It is actually coincidence. So, yeah. Good job, writers. Anyway, Scully says she's sure it can be explained and that it will be. And that she's going to drive him to the nearest motel. It's been a long day. And Mulder's like, nah, I'm going back to D.C. And Scully's like, why? And he's like, because I need to find out who this miracle man is. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, steady yourselves. I'm on Team Scully here. So, 100%. Whoa. Yeah. Yep, 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 yep. And I did actually think that they were, like I said, I thought they were totally going to like then make it be like she's like, oh, I know this man from my repressed memories and he'll save me. But it turns out. <laughs> not true so no she was just Yay. writing letters yeah yeah although just so you know it's like a seven eight hour drive back to dc from kanakwatog which is real and is like an hour south of providence rhode island which does strain the credibility of our next scene here when we get the timestamp. so because right now okay. it's like you know 11 21 right and then we show up in washington dc and it's 8 25 in the morning so so it's doable not a lot of time for more to do what yeah. he's gonna have done okay the scene gotcha yeah so as nick said then we're in washington dc and it's 8 25 in the morning and we're in the x-files office and Mulder puts a tape in the vcr and he tells scully that this is everything recorded by the news crew the unedited footage and scully's like oh did they get anything on the man in question and Mulder says yes supposedly at the 822 timestamp so he fast forwards to that point on the tape and he stops on a frame of Jeremiah Smith talking to the detective. And Mulder's like, that must be him. So then he hits play and we see Smith speaking to the detective. But then something passes in front of the camera. And once it's out of the way, the detective is standing there. But there's a different man next to him. Hmm. And Smith is gone. And on the tape, the detective looks around confused because he was just talking to this man. And now the man is not there. And Scully and Mulder are equally confused. So Mulder rewinds and replays that section. And Mulder does note that there is a different man in the place of Smith. And that man is wearing the same clothes. Ooh. And Scully's like, could that be another detective? So Mulder tells her to find out and he hands her the remote. And she's like, where are you going? And he's like, if I told you, you'd never let me go. And Scully's like, Mulder, you haven't slept in almost 24 hours. And he's like, call if you find anything. And he leaves. Yeah. He must be a late sleeper. It's all like almost 24 hours. It's like 824 in the morning. So he must, he must roll in late to the office. <laughs> so then we were at the Social Security Administration in Washington, D.C. There are several men in suits. And they are entering through one set of doors. And then a moment later, some more men in suits come in through another set of doors. One of them is the cigarette smoking man. Uh-oh. Jeremiah Smith is working at one of the desks in the room and notices all these men come in and he watches the men fan out into the room and the cigarette smoking man just stands at the front smoking, obviously. And Smith slowly gets up from his desk and walks towards a back room and he opens the door. But when he opens it, there's some dudes inside. They're like, nope, you ain't going nowhere. And they grab him and pull him inside. And then all of the men, including the cigarette smoking man, just file back out of the room because they got what they came for. Mm -hmm. Yep. I do have to say, I would have been a little more in the previous scene. 
I think I would have been a little more the exact same clothes is a little weird. It's a little weird. Yeah. Because it's just basically the dude's head changes. Mm hmm. Like it's the exact And he's standing in a different position, but yeah. And it's otherwise. not like he's wearing like a black suit and a white tie and a black shirt. He's wearing like a like a plaidish looking jacket. He's got like a striped tie. And it's not like something that is just like, oh yeah, everyone wears that. No. So a little weird. Anyway. So then at a prison, we see Hannibal Lecter. Oh, I'm sorry. It's Smith. And he's fully restrained and he's strapped to a gurney and he's wheeled down the hall and into a cell. Yep. Got him on a hand truck. Mm-hmm. Wheeled him down the hall. Meanwhile, Mulder arrives at the family coastal cabin. So yeah, he just drove eight hours down to DC and eight hours back up. That's a lot. That's a lot of driving. Mm-hmm. Ooh, but yeah, is... but let me make sure we get a motel when we're an hour away from home. <laughs> Maryland. I mean, yeah. it makes sense to me to stay close to the scene, but yeah, this is whew, a lot of driving. Would not enjoy that. And like his mom, when he comes into the house, he notices that the back door is ajar. So I don't think they're leaving it open. I think it's different people coming in and out, as we'll see, but still, that's weird. So he goes out back and then he kind of looks around. There's no one there. And then X comes out of the house and he tells Mulder that the cancer man was here with his mother. And he shows Mulder photos of Tina and the cigarette smoking man together arguing. So X was the guy taking those photos. And X is like, they had quite the argument, as he might gather from the snapshots, because they they do look pretty heated in the snapshots. Yeah, they were doing that thing where no one can hear us. And so we're really like making sure that we pantomime that we're having an argument in the scene. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And X notes that Mulder seems surprised, but he's like, well, surely you're aware they knew each other. And Mulder's like, did he hurt her? And X says, no, she collapsed after he left. We learned that X is the one who called 911. Mm-hmm. So at this point, X has now saved Mulder and his mother. Ooh. For those keeping score at home. And Mulder asks what they argued about, but X doesn't know. He was forced to keep his distance and he couldn't hear. And Mulder's like, well, you must have some idea or you wouldn't have followed her here. And X thinks that the cigarette smoking man wants something from Tina, something that she may have kept in this house. That's why X broke in and is now searching the cabin. (laughs) And Mulder says that on the day of his parents' divorce, his mother vowed to never set foot in the summer house again. He knows his Mm. mother. She kept her word. Some stuff must have gone down in that house. Yeah, maybe. And X says that it could be something very old and very important. But like Mulder has no clue what it could be. He doesn't have a single guess. And so he just goes back inside the house. Yeah. With the look on his face after Mulder goes back into the house, it seems like X was looking for information disguised as providing information. Oh, yes. Like he's in there looking for whatever's in the house. So Yeah, he's trying to find whatever it is that Cigarette Smoking Man wanted. Mm -hmm. He doesn't really know what it is or where it would be. So then we are at FBI headquarters in Washington, D.C., and Jeremiah Smith is like walking up to the lobby towards the metal detector of how we always get into FBI headquarters. And Scully just happens to be standing there. And she's like, are you Jeremiah Smith? And he's like, yes, but there's been some mistake. He saw his photo on the news saying that he fled a crime scene. And so he's here to turn himself in. And then Scully's like, will you come with me? 
So <laughs> he does. And they they don't have the same guard at the metal detector that they usually have. I would have been nice to have the same. I mean, I realize that dude is probably working 24-7. But, and also, it's just some guy in a suit working it now. It's not even a security guard guy. Oh, but, weird. It would have been nice to have the same guy just for yeah. consistency. I kind of was like, oh, it's going to be the same. No, it's not. Okay. Oh, bummer. Yeah. So then we see Smith is sitting at the head of a conference table in Skinner's office. And Scully and Skinner are there. And the detective from the crime scene are there. And there's also two other people. And Smith says from the moment he asked the man to put his gun down, it felt like a dream, as if he was out of his body. Scully says there are some fantastic reports of what happened next. And Smith knows he's seen the news, but he doesn't remember any of it. The detective tells Smith that he gave him an incorrect address. And Smith is like, I don't remember that at all. <laughs> and then Skinner's like, well, what do you remember? And he says he remembers showing up for work the next day and being at his desk. That's his first recollection. And then he's like, I'm not sure what I did wrong. And Scully says, well, you haven't done anything wrong. And so then he asks if he can go. And Skinner's like, yes. But until the situation is resolved, we ask that you let us know if you're going to be out of town for any length of time. And so Smith nods and he gets up and he leaves. And then Skinner looks at Scully and Scully's like, mm -hmm. so hopefully they verified his address this time before letting him go. Yeah, I would hope so. I, I would assume that that's sort of like the first thing they did was like, look at his ID and his address and stuff. But yeah, I don't know. And Jeremiah Smith is played by Roy Fins, who will play the same role in two more episodes, including one in season eight. So obviously Whoa. he will play this role, probably we can assume, in the season four premiere, yeah. because that's a two-parter. But apparently he reprises the role in season eight as well. Whoa. Okay. He was in the TV series The Invaders, and he's also appeared on Law & Orders, The Sopranos, Murder, She Wrote, and Dark Shadows. Yes, the 1991 reboot in which he played Roger Collins slash Reverend Trask. He was actually in all 12 episodes of that show, which sadly really was canceled way before his time. Mm. I liked that show a lot. And then it got canceled because we had a war. So crazy. for X-Files viewers, the invaders might be of interest. It ran from 1967 to 1968, and it features a man, Thins, who inadvertently witnessed the arrival of aliens on Earth. Ooh. Hence the title, The Invaders. Thank the fugitive, like, but with aliens. So they're like chasing him around trying to find him. And he's always running from the aliens. Anyway, he also had the lead role in the 1973 TV movie, The Norless Tapes, which was kind of like the Blur Witch before Blur Witch people were even born. It's told through found tapes of the now missing occult investigator, David Norless, as he works a case of a widow and her husband, who has apparently come back from the dead, <gasps> oh. takes place in San Francisco. And it's sort of the night stalkery, which is not surprising because Dan Curtis produced it. And it also features Claude Akins as the sheriff. And of course, he was the sheriff in the night stalker as well. Mm. Later, BJ the Bear and Sheriff Lobo. But yeah, yeah, so it's that same kind of time period. It was actually done for NBC and was actually designed as a pilot for a show. But then it was oh. never picked up. So, and it kind of, it's kind of like one of those cult TV movies, a lot like the Night Stalker, honestly, except the Night Stalker did eventually get a TV show. Yeah. But same idea here. So like, if you're interested in the Night Stalker, if you're interested in Cold Check, you might want to check out the Norless tapes. 
And also our Patreon, where we're talking about Cold Check the Night Stalker. You might want to check that out as well. Yeah. And we might have to do the Norlis tapes on the Patreon. I was thinking we might have to do the Norlis tapes. Yeah. Yeah. The The Invaders has like 43 episodes, even though it's oh, only well. like two. <laughs> well, I guess that makes sense, right? Two years. So 43. That's actually about right yeah. for TV season. So when I saw 43, I was like, whoa. But yeah, I mean, it's a 60s television show, but it is about like alien invasion stuff. So might be interesting i've never seen it actually yeah i don't know anything about it so but yeah but the whole like invaders ooh. i just read yeah. that fins was on that and so that was part of why like it was a cool x-files connection that he's in the x-files too yeah and it will especially uh, spoilers with the whole plot of the invaders that he inadvertently sees aliens oh. arrive that are here to invade the planet mm-hmm. might be a little on the nose so <laughs> yes maybe so that night Mulder goes to the cabin with a flashlight to look around and he finds the kitchen light turns it on I was gonna say like it's his cabin like he doesn't need to be creeping around with the flashlight but then he turns the lights on so good yeah and we're assuming he's still been around he didn't like drive back to DC again and then no gone back again we're assuming no. he's still just there we're assuming he either left or I don't know maybe drove to get something to eat or something hopefully you know, and took a freaking nap Somewhere. Yeah, well, I mean, he could take a nap there too. He owns the house. Like, come on, um, or his yeah. mom owns it. Somebody in his family still owns it. So, yeah, they are property holders. So, but he comes back, turns on the lights, and then he starts opening cabinets and looking through closets, and he searches through drawers, bookshelves, dressers, everywhere, and he just he's looking for whatever it was that his mom might have kept there but he finds nothing and so then finally he pulls plastic off the couch and he sits down and he's kind of defeated and he pulls out the piece of paper where his mom wrote palm and then he realizes that he can rearrange the letters to spell lamp so he pulls the plastic off a lamp near the couch and he picks it up and he smashes it against the wall and there's nothing in that lamp so he repeats that with another lamp and this time he finds this metal cylindrical thing and he touches a button on it and a blade pops out and it's an alien stiletto, like the one that the alien assassin carries. <gasps> yeah. Alien ice pick. Boop. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And then it's commercial. Yep. Yep. Much like last episode, this is where the music is way over the top. <laughs> doing the searching stuff. And then especially like when he starts doing the lamp stuff, music is way over the top i i will give him i totally expected the because like he's like lamp and then you look and there's like at least three lamps in the scene <laughs> in and you're the like, room yeah and then he grabs one and pulls the plastic off it you're like it's gonna be in that it's gonna be in the first one he grabbed but it wasn't so good job okay yeah yeah but yeah yeah a little over top on the music again here like, I didn't like notice he, that, but I, I I could go back and I bet it would. I'm be, like, so. yeah, he's going to find something, folks, because the music is like, he's going to find <laughs> something. So, yep. So we come back from the commercial and the cigarette smoking man, like, opens like a little cell door kind of window thing and looks in and closes it. And he goes into the cell and we see that Smith is restrained in a chair and the cigarette smoking man lights a cigarette. And the cigarette smoking man tells him it's now his responsibility to put this right. And Smith tells him that he's not ashamed of his actions. The cigarette smoking man tells him he's not allowed the luxury of human weakness or to put his indulgences ahead of the greater purpose. Smith says he no longer believes in the greater purpose. 
And the cigarette smoking man says, then your fate is just. Smith says his justice is not for the cigarette smoking man to meet out. He has no reason. He has no right. And the cigarette smoking man asks if he has any idea what the cost of his action is. Who is he to give them hope? And Smith asks the cigarette smoking man what he gives him. And the cigarette smoking man says, we give them happiness. They give us authority. And Smith says it's the authority to take away their freedom in the guise of democracy. And the cigarette smoking man says that men can never be free because they're weak, corrupt, worthless, and restless. People believe in authority and they've grown tired of waiting for miracles or mystery. Science is their religion. And they must never believe any different if their project is to go forward. And Smith is like, at what cost to them? And the cigarette smoking man says the question is irrelevant. The outcome inevitable and the date is set. Oh. And then Smith morphs into Deep Throat. Well, oh. we cut to the cigarette smoking man. And when we cut back, it's Deep Throat, which kind of freaks the cigarette smoking man out. Yeah, he looks pretty freaked. Yeah. And then Deep Throat is like, how many must die to preserve your stake in the project? And the cigarette smoking man stands up and then he kind of like knocks on the door to let people know that he's ready to come out. And he tells Smith that he's not impressed by his miracles or trickery. His justice will be meted out. And Smith asks by whom and by what tool. And the door opens and the cigarette smoking man tells him by those who possess the tool of his destruction. And then he leaves and the door shuts behind him. Ooh. Cigarette smoking man does say that science is their religion. I wonder what Scully would make of that. Mm. Mm. I do like because he's in a chair. Smith is mm -hmm. in a chair, right? And he's all restrained, right? Because like when cigarette smoking man walks in, he like removes like the Hannibal Lecter mouthpiece so that he can talk and everything. But his, his restraint in the chair is actually just a race car seatbelt. And it's got like the big <laughs> quick release button in the middle, which is kind of funny. <laughs> but guess they're thinking he won't be able to reach it. I guess. Um, I mean, I think you're not supposed to think it's a, it's a race car seatbelt. It's just because it, it, it's got like five straps, right? Because it's like a, over the shoulder and around the side and then up the, you know, and so, but it's got like one big button that releases all the straps, but it's just kind of, it looks like super like, oh, containment suit, but it's really just like a race car seatbelt, <laughs> which I mean, good use of something, you know, that's already built. So good job. But it's just kind of funny because I know what it is. And I'm like, that's a race car right. seatbelt. You just hit that button and everything <laughs> comes off. So, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> so then Mulder walks into Skinner's office and he tells the receptionist to hold all of Skinner's calls. And Skinner's at his desk and Scully is at the other side of the desk. And Mulder's like, I want to know his name, everything about him. He wants him smoked out and exposed as the murdering son of a bitch that he is. And Skinner's like, he stands up and he's like, Mulder, what's your problem? Smolder's acting ridiculous. Mulder has and, a problem. And well, he's like, what's your problem? You know, and uh, Scully's like, where have you been? And Mulder says he was at his summer house and he was there with his mother. And then he shows them X's photos with the cigarette smoking man and Tina. And Mulder says the cigarette smoking man is the reason for what happened to her. And Skinner asks where he got the photos. And Mulder says it doesn't matter. The only thing that matters is that this man is called to answer and Mulder demands his name, but Skinner doesn't know it. These men don't have names. And Mulder's like, well, I want to know how to find him. 
And Skinner tells him that there might have been a time when he could have told him how to contact the cigarette smoking man, but that time has passed. And Mulder tells him that the cigarette smoking man knows about the man who disappeared from the restaurant. And Scully's like, what are you talking about? And Mulder says, cigarette smoking man is trying to kill Jeremiah Smith. And Scully's like, Smith turned himself in yesterday. He gave a statement. And Mulder's like, well, where is he now? And Scully tells him that he works for the Social Security Administration. So Mulder leaves and Scully follows. Whoa. So then we're at the Social Security Administration and Mulder and Scully flash a badge and ask for Smith. And they're pointing to his desk. And Mulder walks up and tells Smith he's with the FBI and he wants him to come with him. And Smith like looks at Scully and is like, for what? I told you everything. And says he thought they'd call if there was anything else. And Mulder tells him he probably doesn't want to cause a scene at work. And Smith is like, no, of course not. And so he gets up and goes with him. Mm -hmm. And so then an elevator opens and Mulder and Scully and Smith step out. And Smith is like, where are you taking me? And Mulder says, we'll have plenty of time to talk. And then Smith makes a break for it. He runs, he dives into a crowd of people. And like the crowd, they all like, and fall down and everything. And then Mulder grabs him and pulls him up. But when he does, it's not Smith, it's somebody else. And so he's like, oh, okay, must be someone else. And he grabs another dude and pulls him up. And it's not Smith either. And then Smith is just gone. Like, no no one, it's Smith. And Scully's like, I don't see him either. And they lost him and he's gone. And then outside, we see the first dude that Mulder grabbed. Because like Mulder grabs this dude and looks at him. He's like, oh, you're not Smith. And lets him go. And the guy's like, oh, God, I have to walk away. I mean, I would have been like, dude, what are you doing? Grabbing me. Anyway, but that's me. Maybe I'm just angry. I don't know. But the first man that he grabbed is like outside. And he stops and he looks around. Guess what? It was probably Smith, I bet. Uh, Yeah, I'm going to bet Probably a shapeshifter because he's wearing the exact same clothes. Oh, my goodness. I get it in the moment at all. But like they knew about the same clothes thing. So I maybe would have been maybe paying attention to that. You also know this is a dude who apparently can ghost people. And so maybe want to be a little safer with him. I think maybe they just got lost on the whole like, oh, he came and turned himself in. He's fine. He's not. Right. Yeah. So he's not going to run from us because he was willing to talk, whatever. Yeah, but he yeah. did. And then he probably shapeshift. Yeah. Mind fogged you or something and then took off. Yeah. So speaking of Smith, the cigarette smoking man enters the cell where Smith is being held. What? And of course, the cigarette smoking man is smoking and he tells Smith that it's only a matter of time now. And Smith says that he's in a cage inside a cage. Why is the cigarette smoking man so afraid of him? And the cigarette smoking man's like, I'm not. And Smith says, you are. You live in fear. That's your whole life. And the cigarette smoking man's like, you don't know anything about me. And Smith says he knows everything about him. Cigarette smoking man may think the miracles he performs are the extent of his power. And the cigarette smoking man scoffs and he's like, you think you're God? You're a drone. And Smith says that cigarette smoking man is afraid they'll believe he's God. And the cigarette smoking man says it doesn't matter. Most of them have ceased to believe in God. And Smith is like, well, you rule over them in God's name. And the cigarette smoking man's like, well, they may not believe in him, but they still fear him. They're afraid not to because they're afraid of freedom. And Smith mockingly is like, and you give them happiness. And the cigarette smoking man says they appease their conscience. And anyone who can appease a man's conscience can take his freedom away from him. And he drops a cigarette and he grinds it out with his shoe. And when he looks up, 
Smith has taken the form of Bill Mulder. And he says, and when you can't appease their conscience, you kill them, but you can't kill them all or kill their love, which makes them who they are, which makes them better than us, better than you. Whoa. The cigarette smoking man says, I'm not one of you. And Smith says, no, all you want is to be a part of it, to be one of the commandants when the process begins. And then he shifts back into Smith and he says, but you are wrong. And the cigarette smoking man kind of smirks at him. And he's like, oh, am I? And Smith says, yes, you're dying of lung cancer. And the cigarette smoking man stares at him for a moment. And he's like, that's a lie. <laughs> I don't know. It seems pretty likely to me. But the cigarette smoking man says that Smith is just trying to save his own life. And Smith asks, and you? And then we see that the bearded man, the other Smith shifted into, is standing outside of a detention center, possibly this detention center. And he shifts into the alien assassin. <gasps> and then he heads inside. And inside, he's walked by a guard to Smith's cell. But when the door is open, the cell is empty. Tony, it's that quick release button. Choom, I warn yep. you guys, don't, yep. don't be using them race car seats, man. So, yeah. I, I'm assuming that, like, the cigarette smoking man is like, well, maybe I do have cancer, so maybe I'll let you heal me just to be on the same Yeah, side. I think that's what, exactly <laughs> what happened, yeah. Yeah. I do wish they'd stick with the cut and switch that they used earlier when D-Throat and with Bill Mulder, because the morphine just doesn't look good. Like, when he goes back from being Mulder's dad to Smith, and then when the bearded dude turns into the alien assassin, it just doesn't look good. I mean... Sometimes low-budget cheats actually work better, honestly. Yeah. I mean, I think so. it looks okay, but if you look at it too closely, yeah. I do think it's funny, too. Like, the alien assassin dude is like, he's standing outside, and he turns in the alien assassin, and he's like, checking my weapon. Like, cha-ching! Switch it out. <laughs> and then, I think that was kind of funny. We gotta know. You gotta know he's got a weapon, also. Yeah. He's not just... I mean, if you don't know who he is, now you know he's an assassin. I guess. Dude. And you'd be like, oh, that's the same thing that Mulder has! Oh! Yeah. So, yeah. So then we're at Providence, Rhode Island, and Mulder is standing next to his mother's hospital bed. She's unconscious. And the doctor tells Mulder that they had been hopeful, but there was substantial blood loss during the stroke, which put pressure on the brain. So I guess even though they were able to get blood flow back, like Stully said, I guess there was also loss, which causes, I don't know, I'm not a doctor. Anyway, Mulder asks if she'll regain consciousness. And the doctor tells him that he knows it's hard, but she may not. He says he can be paged if Mulder needs him, and then he leaves. Mulder closes the door and he locks it, which I didn't think would be a thing you could do in a hospital, but I guess, okay, I guess doctors would have keys and stuff, so it doesn't matter. Anyway, he sits next to the bed and he stares at his mom and he starts to cry. And then he takes her hand and he holds it up to his cheek. Aww. Yeah. And then later, Mulder is leaving the hospital room and he's standing in the hallway and he kind of leans against the wall and he hears a little flick and he turns and the cigarette smoking man is in the hallway and he's smoking in the hospital. <laughs> so bad. So bad. The Mulder's like, ah, and runs at him and slams him against the wall. And he pulls out his gun and shoves it in his face. He's like, you want to smoke on that or smoke on this? Oh, Mulder. And the cigarette smoking man is like, oh, you're giving me a choice. Just not even like got a gun to my face and I'm still like, oh, okay. 
And then Mulder grabs the cigarette and rips it out of his mouth and tosses it on the floor. And he tells the cigarette smoking man that he should shoot him right here, but the hospital would probably be able to save him. And then the cigarette smoking man goes and is like, do it, Mulder, do it. And then Mulder keeps threatening. But then, of course, we know he's not going to do it, right? And he doesn't do it. And then the cigarette smoking man is like, how is she? And Mulder's like, why do you care? And the cigarette smoking man says, I have known her since before you were born, Fox. And Mulder says he doesn't care. The cigarette smoking man says that he went to see Tina recently. And Mulder's like, what were you looking for? And the cigarette smoking man says nothing. Mulder calls him a liar. And the cigarette smoking man says it was Tina who was looking for something. She contacted him. He has information about the whereabouts of Samantha. Mm -hmm. Mulder stares. And then a nurse walks by and is like, and Mulder like puts down his gun and tries to be all more like, hey, we're just having a conversation. The nurse is like, mm, 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 she's giving them the here. eye for sure. Yeah, she's yeah. suspicious. And then he's like, where's Samantha? And the cigarette smoking man says the man who had that information has disappeared. And Mulder tells the cigarette smoking man that he has what he wants. And the cigarette smoking man says there's nothing that he wants except to see how Mulder's mother is doing. And then the cigarette smoking man pulls away and goes over to the nurse's station and starts to ask about her mother. We can kind of hear like, he's like, Mulder, like he's going to like where her room is, you know, even though he probably knows where it is. He saw Mulder come out of it, but right. The nurse is on the phone. I was wondering if like some orderlies were going to show up while they were still talking or not. But <laughs> I'm thinking she probably was like, um, can someone come down here, please? So, <laughs> nope. There's two men fighting in the hall. I think one might have a gun. Mm -hmm. Maybe do something about that. Yep. So then it's 11.21 p.m. We seem to be seeing that time a lot lately. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. And Scully's at the X-Files office, and she's going through Social Security employee records. She finds several Jeremiah Smiths, and they all look the same, but they're based in different cities. There's one in Seattle, Cupertino, Chicago, Miami, New York. And she picks up the phone and she calls Mulder, but he's sitting in his car in a parking garage where his phone shows no service. So he's not able to get the call. So Mulder gets out of his car and X's voice calls out to him. And X is like, do you have it? And Mulder says, yes. And X is like, give it to me. And Mulder says that he can't do that. X is like, it's of no value to you. Mulder's like, well, what's its value to you? And X is like, when the time comes, when the truth is finally determined, its value will soar. Mm. And Mulder's like, why? And X is like, I think you know. And Mulder says it's a weapon, isn't it? Used to pierce the back of the neck. It's the only way to kill them. And X tells Mulder that they're going to kill him for it. They'll stop at nothing for it, even if they have to martyr Mulder and turn his work into a crusade. And Mulder clarifies that what they're talking about is colonization and the date is set, isn't it? And X like doesn't answer. He just demands the weapon and Mulder refuses to give it to him and starts to walk away. <gasps> and X punches Mulder in the face. He just like, bam. And they start fighting and X tries to hit him again, but Mulder ducks and he pushes X into a column of the parking garage 
and exits Mulder in the back and tries to get his gun. But Mulder gets him to drop the gun to the ground and they keep fighting and X pushes Mulder against a car and he tries to feel for the weapon in his pockets and eventually Mulder's dropped to the ground. So Mulder pulls out his gun while X retrieves his gun from the ground and they both end up aiming guns at each other. And Mulder gets to his feet and he tells X that if he shoots him, he'll never find it. And X says he ought to shoot him anyway after everything he's given Mulder. And Mulder tells him he's walking away and he starts to edge away and his gun is still aimed at X. And X calls after him. He's like, you're a dead man one way or another. And then X backs away too. I'm sorry. We have seen X's moves and we've seen Mulder fight. There is no (laughs) way that Mulder put up the kind of fight that ended up at a draw. So I'm sorry. Also, even with the bad lighting, that is clearly like Tony Morelli and it's not David Duchovny. Anyway, I think I know where the story credit is coming in in this episode, possibly. So maybe, maybe. Well, I mean, maybe X doesn't want to kill him. So he kind of let Mulder win or get away a little know. bit. Yeah. I don't know. We saw X do that smooth move on Scully when she had the gun. He's like, oh, boom. <laughs> like just boom. It. So good. And then we know him and Skinner and we, and we know Skinner is a badass. And so mm-hmm. him and Skinner had a draw. And like, do we think that Mulder and Skinner would come to a draw? No, Skinner would kick his ass. So, yeah, this is a little... uh, But anyway, yeah, I get it. He's the star. (laughs) So then it is 1.12 a.m., which is actually only one digit off of being 11.21. True, true. Which would be the third time this episode if we're (laughs) doing that. Because Nick Nick loves when they rub things in your face. If you guys haven't figured that out yet, that's his favorite thing is when they just push things at you over and over. He loves it. Yeah. Anyway, Scully gets back home and she picks up her phone and starts to call someone when there's a knock at her door. And she hesitates and then calls, who is it? And the person says, Jeremiah Smith, please let me in. Scully draws her gun and she inches toward the peephole and has to like tiptoe up to look through it, which is hilarious because we know Julian Anderson is kind of short. <laughs> and she sees that Smith is outside and she tells him to put his hands where she can see them. And so he does. And then she tells him that she is going to unlock the door and then he is to count to five and then come in and close the door and lock it behind him. So she unlocks the door, she backs up. We see through the little peephole view. We see like Smith is like, ooh, he's still got like one hand up and he like reaches for the door and he opens it. He comes inside, locks the door. And he tells Scully that he has information for her, something her partner has been seeking. It concerns an elaborate plan, a project, and his sister. Mm hmm. Oh. And Scully is like, well, why didn't you tell us that before? And Smith is like, I've never spoken to you before. (laughs) The man that she spoke to was an imposter who was sent to kill him. And Scully is like, who are you? And Smith promises to explain everything. And then the phone rings and Scully answers. And she still got her gun on Smith. She's had it on the whole time. And it's Mulder. And she tells him that Jeremiah Smith is there and that Mulder needs to talk to him. And Mulder tells her that she has to get out of her apartment now. They're going to be looking for Smith. And then he tells her to meet him off I-95 at Bond Mill Road. Whoa. Which I think, was that where, was that where Deep Throat got killed? I don't think so. Okay. 
they name were kind of on familiar. an overpass. The when... Bond Mill Road thing sounds familiar. Well, there is an overpass. Like, they're under an overpass when they meet or something. I'm not sure. Yeah. But I don't, I don't think, think it the is. The name sounds familiar, be. but it might yeah. be. It might just be close. There's a lot of mill. We have the Grover's Mill and uh-huh. stuff. So, yeah. Anyway, I'm probably just, yeah. So, Scully and Smith arrive at the mill and park the car. And Mulder calls to them from across the lot because he's already there. And as they approach, he tells Scully to move away from Smith and move behind Mulder. And he holds the stiletto in his hand, you know, because that's the only weapon that will work on Smith. And Smith is like, I come to you at great risk and I mean you no harm. He has a long and complicated story to tell. And Scully tells Mulder that Smith knows about his sister. And Mulder asks Smith how he knows he's for real. And Smith says he was at the restaurant and he healed those people. And Scully asks how. And Smith says he can explain everything. And Mulder's like, well, first, I want you to go somewhere with me. I want you to go see my mother. Because obviously he wants him to heal his mother. With his palm. (laughs) But then another car pulls up. And the alien assassin gets out. And he clicks his stiletto in his hand. And Smith is like, he's here to kill me. And then the alien assassin keeps walking toward them. He's actually very calm when he says it, too. He's like, he's here to kill me. Yeah, well, I mean, at this point, he knows he knows the deal, right? Yeah. And then we get to be continued. (gasps) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, both Mulder and Scully have had their asses kicked by this guy in the past. They both know his face. And so I get that they probably realize bullets aren't going to do anything because it may be like release like toxic virus that'll kill them as we saw in previous episodes. But still, I would think like just standing there looking at him isn't going to do anything either. So maybe someone should have started. Scully is all willing to shoot anybody except for bad guys, apparently. (laughs) She's shot a couple bad guys. She has. has. (laughs) But I mean, they also can't do anything because it's to be continued. I know. They have to stand there. And have a piece of it's not like they've never fired their guns at something they know where their gun's not going to have any effect either. So it's true. Yeah. But there's kind of like, oh, 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 as the dude gets closer and closer and closer and then to be continued. So suspense. Yeah. How are they going to get out of this pickle? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. And this is the episode where fans really started to speculate about whether the cigarette smoking man was actually Mulder's biological father. I think if that were true, Bill Mulder probably would have picked him to be abducted instead of Sam, assuming that he even knew, which, I mean, who knows if he would have known, right? Yeah, although we did see Sam's file, remember? And Mulder's name was originally on it, and then Sam's was put over the top of it. True. So maybe Bill did choose fox but then the cigarette smoking man interceded oh maybe 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 and then eleven twenty one, the number that we kept seeing this episode and actually in previous episodes it's come up mm-hmm. a couple times since the um, pilot actually yeah that is november 21st which is chris carter's wife's birthday her name is doris and her birthday is november 21st which explains a lot because he obviously has a birthday fixation because 1013. Yeah. Now we know that 1121 is his wife's birthday. So, yeah, he's got a he's one of those birthday people. Although, I mean, if I had a show, everything would be 528. It'd be like my birthday. See? OK, so. so I'm sorry. I'm going to throw shade at you, Tori. But I think having your birthday be like your number is like basic as basic can be. I'm sorry. Maybe. 
I mean, it's not my pin number, which is good. I know. I'm hoping I find Chris Carter's one of Chris Carter's <laughs> debit cards at some point. Because it probably is. It's going to be 10, either 1013 or 1121. <laughs> totally. Yeah. So, but I mean, yeah. I, you know, I love birthdays and I would love to just throw that stuff in there. I would totally throw a friend's birthdays and things like, why not? I don't know. It's fun. He's probably but... got 1121 tattooed on like one of his butt cheeks and she's got like <laughs> 1013 on one of hers. And <laughs> yep, I'm telling you. Telling you. <laughs> but anyway, that's why that number has been so prevalent. And now we know. Yep. Yep. And then as I mentioned at the very top, I mean, here we are, another season finale. And we got. Well, it looks like we have clones because we do get the part where Scully is like looking at the screen and there's all the Jeremiah Smiths that work all over the country. So mm-hmm. like, you know, and then we saw in previous ones, like they, were they clones? Were they just aliens who like took the same shape? Which I mean, again, why? Why would you do that? If you could be anybody, why would you all make sure you look like those? Like that's going to draw attention. I'm sorry. But yeah. But anyway, another season finale, another like clones well this is like the myth arc mythology right the big conspiracy obviously we know it revolves around clones because of the gregors and so now we're just getting a little bit more of that i think although the gregors were actually the cover story remember because those were the Mm -hmm. russian clones supposedly yes so but yeah but we we ended up just calling them the gregors because it was easy to say Mm -hmm. instead of having to say the clones the clones the clones send in the clones so (laughs) yeah We'll leave that business for George Lucas. Anyway, I wonder if these clones can shoot. <laughs> Probably not. They never have so, guns. Maybe that's for a that's reason. That's true. Okay. Yeah. Maybe. Me. All right. Well, season finale. Yay. As I said, I don't know how they're going to get out of this pickle. I mean, I'm sure they're going to. At least but. we don't think Mulder is dead in a train car full of alien bodies. So I'm going to give it. Yeah. That we're then just going to hand of... wave and be like, yeah. oh, and then he's laying in these rocks, even though the train exploded. But he's over here. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Hopefully there won't be anybody like flying in space and big monologues. And <laughs> no, that, so I've already seen hope. the season four premiere. It's not. There's none of that. Least, Yay. So. I have it. Yeah. We do, we do get more alien mythology stuff, though. Is that, that I think... Norwegian or Danish? Or do you know what that, the title of season four? The oh, Herrenvolk. You know, I think it's German, but I can't remember. I looked it up. And or maybe even Iceland. It could be Icelandic, too. With that yeah. Of, oh, 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 but with the Volk. Yeah, that's probably German with the Volk. Yep, I okay. thought it was, but I don't remember. Yeah. Okay. Oh, that's kind of nice because, I mean, you guys aren't going to know this, but for us, like, we're actually not going to be talking about season four, like for like a month. So yay for us, <laughs> a little bit of a break. We have some other things that we're working on. Yes, we do. We do. Some other things. It's like, we're taking our own summer vacation before we find out what happens. Yeah. Although it's January right now. Yeah. yeah it's whatever. not much of a summer, but yeah. Yes. But before we do that, we probably need to rate this episode. Yeah, I guess so. And I don't want you pulling out the like, I don't know if I can rate this because it's actually one part of a multi-parter and it makes it so difficult. No, I'm doing I mean, that. it. It does, but I'm just gonna I'm just gonna suck it up and do it. And that is, in case you were noticing, that is slightly different from my Scully voice. It is slightly different. It is. No, that's your Scully, Tory so. voice. <laughs> yes. That's my what voice? Your Tory voice. Oh, is it? Okay. I don't know. I didn't know that I had I guess I guess it can be. I didn't know that I had one before, but now that can be the Tory voice. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, 
Um, I feel like I almost always give the myth arcs an eight because I feel like they're usually pretty solid. I'm just debating if this, if I want this one to be a seven or eight. Again, I'm just kind of on that line where like it's pretty good. I'm just gonna talk myself through it here. So, okay. you know what? Actually, we do get a lot of really sweet X action. We get Ooh, a lot of cigarettes. Sounds, that sounds way dirty, honestly. <laughs> that's just because that's where your mind went. That's not what <laughs> it meant. I just meant the X is like there. He's doing things. He's got like, you know, I don't know. I like him. And I like that he's been kind of not necessarily on Mulder's side pretty much the whole time. But we definitely learned that in soft light. And like, it's kind of like, where does he stand? What's he doing? And I don't know. I think him fighting with Mulder is kind of good. I love the cigarette smoking man. And I love what we learn in this episode. We definitely learned some stuff about Mulder's family, about the past. Clearly his mom has way more knowledge about stuff than we ever thought because she had an alien stiletto and hit it. So something's going on there. So that's intriguing. Or, or his dad did. Or his dad did. But she definitely knew where it was. and she knows, So she knows. She knows stuff. So yeah, I think I'm going to give it an eight. I think that that is, it is actually worthy of an eight. I was debating a little bit. I do actually really like the opening scene with the fast food thing. Cause like what is terrifying situation. And then to have someone come in and like be able to heal everyone and stuff. That, I thought that was kind of cool. And like the mystery of like, Ooh, who's this mystery healer guy. Interestingly, I think that was the weakest scene in the episode. Oh, you, I thought it was good, but yeah. yeah, I was intrigued. I was like, Oh, this is cool. It's going to be about this mystery healer guy. It's not going to be about, aliens and conspiracy i was very wrong but yeah i think the reason why it was the weakest scene was because the acting and it was not great i mean yeah um, there were some moments where it was very... yeah, the, the dude did not seem like i ramped it up a lot in my description i never really got that feeling in the episode he didn't really seem i mean i i've been around enough people who are like that maybe not with a gun thankfully Ooh. But I'm like, yeah, that's not real. That's some dude pretending to be that way. Hmm. And then like all the reactions of the people around too. I got the one point when, when he shoots the dude at the door, the girl standing there holding the door is just like standing there looking like, oh, he's going to shoot us. And then he shoots him and she's like, oh, I better reach down and help my friend. It's, it was kind of funny. But yeah, <laughs> no one ever seems like they're really that. like. Well, scary. I wasn't worried about the uh, acting so much as like the premise i know but i can't scene. separate that because like yeah. that's the thing right it just like it i just doesn't... i think i watch so much tv that like if acting is really egregious and enough to annoy me i mean i'll think about it but like i'm so used to watching television that you know i think i'm just used to seeing acting that's maybe not super great all the time and it's fine yeah also i'm super shallow there were a lot of funky looking people in that scene <laughs> so just i can't yeah sorry anyway but no i i get it I mean, yeah, as, as a idea, yes. Just the fact that you never know what that kind of thing is going to happen. Because so. we live in America. Sadly, We're... I don't think anybody's going to show up with healing hands, with palms. Yeah, and... no, not in reality. Yeah. In reality, it's incredibly terrifying that you can be at the grocery store or hamburger joint and just be gunned down because we, this country values guns more than human yeah. lives i was trying to figure out what profits. k brothers if that was like a thing it is and i forgot i know i know that it was something and i totally forgot to mention what it was okay what is it i, don't I mean remember. we're still talking about the episode so you can tell us well i don't right. remember what it was oh you don't remember okay you're repressing it 
Just like Tina. But it was something, and I was going to mention it, and I think I forgot to put it in my notes, and I don't remember what it was. Um, oh, it's when I read that it was a reference to the novel by Dostoevsky. Dostoevsky? Dostoevsky. Dostoevsky. Yeah, that guy. I was thinking, like, it was, they were, like, riffing on someone's name, like an actual, like, burger place name no. or something. But it's okay, and I don't know why it would be have to do with, the, why? I don't really know what the plot of that book is, honestly. No, I don't either. That's not one that I read. No, nope, me ever. neither. Now I'm curious, though. Let's see. Do, 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 do. A passionate philosophical novel that enters deeply into questions of God, free will, and morality. Oh, okay, that might be it. That, that, they were just being X-Filesy. Okay, yep. All right. So that actually is eight of the last three episodes for you an eight and eight and an eight mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. wow that sounds telling you, right. you're, just, you're just you're just trying to push your bumps up so that <laughs> i don't know make me look bad no I, I get it i get it i see how it is i hmm actually hmm. last episode i talked about how i think i worry about these ratings more than i think i should and i honestly don't know what to give this one <sighs> hmm. I think it gets I'm gonna pre what did you say a four four yeah what were you gonna predict I was gonna predict like six because I heard you I heard you and so I heard that sound so that was just me six. like rolling spit <laughs> through my mouth oh, honestly no. <laughs> so that's gonna sound awesome in the podcast one. <laughs> no so why four I don't just because it was I don't know I'm looking at I'm I'm looking at what I don't want to I was I, I was honestly I was gonna go back and look at what I gave the previous season enders and I'm like wait I learned last episode that I can't really go back to what because I was like remember I was going to compare wet wired to blood and then it was like I think it's I think I think blood did it better and then I'm like oh I gave blood that that's less than what I was thinking about giving wet wired so I went a little bit higher so I actually just looked at what I gave wet wired thinking about it because wet wired wet wired I think has the same thing that this thing has where there is stuff in it that we need that actually makes the overall story more interesting mm -hmm. but then the rest of the episode is just there mm. and could almost be anything to let that happen. Gotcha. Okay. Like, like Roy Thins is really good. He's got, he's got that same kind of, he's actually not British, but he's got that same kind of thing that like the well-manicured man has where he's like, especially cause like his character, like never like almost has any emotion. He's just very always like, calm and reserved and speaks mm -hmm. almost as if he's like trying to hypnotize you possibly kind of thing <laughs> but also then it's also just someone i recognize and i'm like oh that dude is good he's been in a lot of good stuff and so he's good because mm -hmm. he's good and so there's that but then like the rest is like mm. so but yeah we have x we didn't get any skinner this episode did we uh yeah skinner's there remember he interviews um jeremiah smith a little bit oh that's right Scully. and then Mulder yeah. shows him the photos yeah, that's yeah right. he's okay. there yeah yeah he's there okay so, how see, dare again, you how dare you episode, forget skinner i know that's the thing this episode is so mind-numbing 
<laughs> that I just made me forget my boy Skinner even. And it's like, so it gets a four. Okay, that's fair. 100%. Yeah. Totally fair. All right, cool. Yeah, yeah. Well, as hopefully... a lead up to a season ender, or as the season ender. It sorry, is the lead season up. ender, it's, yeah. It's not, yeah, it's not a lead up to a season ender. It is the season ender. It's just like, okay, um, you know, fingers crossed for season four, episode one. Yeah, hopefully um, the second part of this wows you more and you're more into it and okay. it gives you more information we'll yeah. see though we'll see because i was i was getting this this season was getting me i was rating some episodes pretty high this season i was kind of like, yeah you liked a lot a of stuff this season actually i was so. on a roll for a while and then it, they kind of like the last two episodes kind of just like mm-hmm. yeah they yeah. kind of dropped the ball for me let you down a so, little bit yep that totally makes sense yep. so we'll see how you feel about season four's premiere mm-hmm. but not until we talk about season three yeah so next time we'll have our wrap-up and we'll do season four because four comes after three <laughs> we sound so excited about it too then we'll do a wrap-up i know and then we'll do yeah. season four yeah you guys We're know how this it. works <laughs> we, we are selling it Selling it, selling it, selling it, selling it, selling it. Well, I'm honestly I'm more excited. I, I mentioned that we're going to be taking a little bit of a break from the X-Files. So one, we like to give ourselves a little bit of a buffer to go back and look over the season before, like, you know, yeah. next week, you guys are going to hear the season three wrap up. But we tend to give ourselves like at least a week buffer. So we skip a week before we go back into the season wrap up. We're actually skipping like a month this time and i'm really excited for the stuff that we're going to be doing in the meantime because yeah like we've got some really fun anything. stuff coming up oh yeah we've got a lot so, of stuff we're working on yeah. so should yeah. be fun yeah anyway season three in the can Woo. officially it but is come back next week for the wrap-up yeah we'll do our season It'll probably three wrap be like, up. it's hard to say because we haven't done it yet but it's probably going to end up being like last season's wrap-up, but it'll be a two-parter mm-hmm. rather than just a really long episode. Yeah. I guess it'll depend on how much we have to say. <laughs> yeah. And we also, last season, we tweaked it a little bit. The first season, we did a wrap-up, and then we did our I Want to Rewrite, where we kind of like rewrote some episodes. Mm-hmm. Last time, we kind of merged them together, which is why it was a two-parter because we went so we went through the first half of the season and kind of did the wrap up and the rewrite and mm-hmm. i think that's probably what we're gonna do this time cool yeah that works because i don't always have rewrites like i feel like we try and do that as one it doesn't i don't have a lot to offer but it will yeah. see i have to go through the season well too. i also think this season i think the rewrites got merged more into the regular episode discussions yeah we did talk a lot about what we would have done differently you especially had some really good fixes for things yes um Tesos Dos Bichos comes to mind. There are a couple really good fixes you had for that. But yeah, you've had some really good, like, this is how I would have done it. And I'm like, man, I wish they had done it that way. Yep. I have ideas. Again, Fred Jones, boom, right here. Idea man. So, yep. (laughs) Season three, definitely a higher rated season for both of us. We'll get into that next time. But definitely a higher rated season for both of us. Even though for me, it kind of trailed off at the end. But. yeah it did but you did like i'm really glad that you've liked a couple especially as much as you have so that's exciting yeah yeah all righty all right Bye-bye. thanks for listening i want to rewatch is hosted by tori and nick and recorded at black cat studios 
That's right. We made this. And be sure to join us next time as we try to figure out if the the truth truth is still still out there. Trust no one. The truth is what we make of it. episode is a myth arc episode and originally what? aired i know it's a season finale and a myth arc <gasps> kelsa priest that's not even good french kelsa priest i'm not gonna say that um too late you did uh, my french accent is atrocious i apologize um oui. <laughs> i'm always like trying to talk to duolingo and it doesn't understand half of what i say i'm like this <laughs> I swear my accent used to be better, but like I need to hear, I need to hear it and get it in my ear. It happens to me all the time, except I'm talking in English. Yeah, so. I used to be better at this. Anyway, it originally aired on Friday, May seventeenth, nineteen ninety six, one week before my birthday. And Whoa. again, That's like eleven finale. days before your birthday. Yeah, I'm pretty excited. Um, pretty exciting stuff. I'm sure I was very, very jazzed. Although, you know, I would call sad. that a week and a half personally. But. <laughs> okay, a week and a half before my birthday. But you know, it was a season finale, so it was kind of a bummer because you know you've got the whole summer to wait. So for the next part. So well, and I didn't know it was gonna be a two-part, but you know what I mean? Anyway, I'm gonna start the summer. <laughs> <laughs> This has gone off the rails. <laughs> I do have some summer to talk about in our season wrap up because this is the summer that I went to the X Files convention. But I will talk oh. about that in our season wrap up. So I will have left this episode, go to that, and then come back. To I season. think you need to start with just it was filmed in British Columbia, and I'm going to keep all of that <laughs> except for the part where you're like, "This has gone off the rails." All right. Well, you can keep it if you want, but I'm going to start at the beginning that. here. Okay.